1: Thanks for listening to this podcast produced by Diddy TV. Visit DiddyTV.com for more exclusive on-demand content or download the official Diddy TV app from your app store today. Hi there, guys. I'm Amy Wright, and today my guest is Mike Harmeyer. Mike leads the acclaimed country rock outfit from down in Austin, Texas, known as Mike and the Moon Pies. A band with extra-tasty guitar licks, great grooves, lyrics that conjure up nostalgia, and a sound that's old-school, but without coming across as imitation. In other words, they're the real deal. I always enjoy my time talking with Mike, and I learn something new in each conversation. He's intuitive on stage, he's dedicated to his craft, and he's got a clear vision for what he wants. We connected to talk about the band's brand-new eighth studio album, One to Grow On, and much more. So let's get to it. Here's my conversation with Mike Harmeyer of Mike and the Moon Pies. Great to see you, Mike. How's it going? How's how's um, Chase? How's Levi? How's everything going in your life?
2: Uh, that's great. We're um, you know, I'm I'm getting back into the swing of things and um uh my wife's business is doing great as well now. She has, she's in like the wedding uh she offers um rentals for like furniture rentals for weddings and stuff like that and that's back in the swing, so we all kind of had a nice year, but um, we're, we're, we're back to full-on work now. It's great. I love it.
1: How old is your son now?
2: Uh, he'll be four in September.
1: Oh, that's a fun age.
2: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah they we bought a fish yesterday, his first pet fish yesterday. We're, um, we're really making huge strides. <laughs>
1: <laughs> is there a name for the pet, pet fish?
2: Uh, he calls it Twinkles today. We'll see what it is tomorrow.
1: <laughs> all right. He's it may, also, may change. Uh,
2: He's also been running a snow cone and lemonade stand out the front of our house. He's saving money for Disney World. So um, he's, uh, he's back at work, too.
1: <laughs> All right. So he's an entrepreneur. You put your, right. your, your four-year-old to work, Mike. I what know. is that? <laughs>
2: he wants to go to Disney World, so he's going to have to work for it.
1: Well, you guys have been busy. You have a new album out, One to Grow On. And before I get to that, I kind of wanted to go back a little ways and talk about how you got started in music.
2: Yeah, I got started doing this when I was just a kid playing in the local bars in Tomball uh, right outside of Houston. And uh, I did that for a while. Then I started a blues band uh, with my buddy Kyle, who still drums for the Moon Pies now, when I was in high school. We started a blues band, and I started doing that uh, pretty regularly that became like something where I could actually make a little money doing some blues stuff. And when I moved to Austin in 2002 – Um, I started to go to recording school and learn how to make records and kind of did it like that and and figured I would, you know, try to expand my horizons in the music industry a little bit. Um, And that really is kind of where it took off for me. I was meeting a lot more musicians in Austin, obviously. And, um, you know, through a couple of years of making little low budget records with some people around town, uh, found the right guys to start the Moon Pie thing that started as a cover band project. You know, we were recording stuff and I was just doing cover band shows to make extra money because I wasn't making that money making small time records <laughs> and uh, that kind of turned into what we have now which was you know the cover band thing really helped us get started and and kind of I think we honed our craft while we were doing that um, and that it, it really affects I think how we all still play today a lot of the same styles that we were playing uh, in those cover bands.
1: That's what I was going to ask you so when you're playing covers was the music the same style as you play now or was it just across the board? Um, it was a lot of the same style. I mean, it was
2: mostly Texas swing dance hall stuff. Cause we were doing four hour gigs at the broken spoke and and dance halls around here. So, um, if it was danceable, we were playing it. If I knew, if I knew 90% of the words <laughs> we were playing it. So I knew all of the nineties country, eighties, nineties country words. So we did a lot of those George Strait things. And then a lot of standards and we did some Johnny Bush and, and, uh, Web Pierce, and and uh, just anything that could keep him on the floor, because that's where that's how we were making our money.
1: Well, don't, and nothing like being in a cover band to really hone your craft as far as performing, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we learned everything doing it that way. It, it was, you know, no dead air. It was like song to song to song. Um, you know, we were throwing, we were still learning how to play. My steel player had just bought a steel guitar at the time. He was like my third guy that I knew that played steel, and he just bought a steel to play in the moon pies. And so we were throwing him in the fire all the time. So he's learning Nashville number system and everything like all just kind of
1: on the fly
2: (laughs) doing these shows. So it was a, it was a very interesting time where we were all learning a lot.
1: You know, I was talking to Ray Benson last year, uh, sleep at the wheel and he was talking about the Texas dance halls in general and how there's this movement to save them. And I just kind of find that fascinating. Um, have you been involved with that or what, what do you, what do you think is now the the status of those dance halls? Um, you know,
2: a few years ago, that was a really big thing. And, and, and I know Ray was really involved in it as, as I was too, because we were the youngest cat playing a lot of these halls, like, you know, legendary places all across the state that were basically just maybe down to one dance a month or something like that, where they could actually afford to do it. And, um, so we kind of got involved because they wanted uh, the new face of the dance hall circuit to kind of be involved. And in. we were part of that. And um, I think it was going well there for for a while. You know, we have kind of been out of the dance hall circuit now over the past two or three years. Um, but there's still I mean, the Broken Spoke is still there. You know, I mean, all these places that we were playing then are still having dances. I'm not sure if it's where right they want it to be, but they're still they're still open.
1: Well, it's nice to know they're still open venues in general. It's nice to see them come out of all this and still be open. And it's very exciting to have live music again.
2: Yes, I'm very excited about
3: that.
1: <laughs> when you have a new album out, it's uh, One to Grow On. It's coming out, I should say. What, what would you say is different uh, about this album than some of your previous albums?
2: You know, I, I wrote a lot of this over the past year and I was writing more to not, I, you know, we weren't playing as any shows, so I wasn't really writing to my show as much. I think I was just kind of writing more of the songs I wanted to write. And um, it turned into this really character driven thing. I I had this old uh, 85 truck out in my backyard and I spent a lot of time staring at it (laughs) and driving it around over the past year and started writing a little bit about maybe the guy that first bought that truck and what was this, what he'd listened to in that truck and the jobs that he did out of that truck. And and, uh, I started to really kind of mold this whole character around these songs You know a lot of it is similar to me i mean it's you know a lot of it is my own personal experience um but i kind of built a narrative around somebody else and that was kind of a a brand new thing for me um at least in the songwriting realm that was that was new for me to try to create something from front to back on a whole record that made one narrative um and then for this one obviously the recording was a lot different um we did a lot of pre-production I would write. So this is the first time I think I've written songs and constantly was sending demos to the rest of the band and they were working on stuff from home. We had all built home rigs over the last year to record. We have recorded our Gary Stewart record each from our own individual houses.
1: Are all of so, you in Austin?
2: Uh, no, we're all across. Um, some guys are way down in South Texas. One, my drummer's still in Austin. I'm about 45 minutes north. Um, yeah. So we're kind of all spread out. So it was hard to um, really get together. Uh, but at least they could work on stuff from home and send me ideas and record things. So uh, it was a kind of a different way to work on a record. I'm not sure if I would do it that way again, just because it's a long process. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think the guys are probably pretty happy about it because they've really got to spend a lot more time working on their parts rather than us just going in the studio and trying to crank it out.
1: Right. So they could just take the time and go through it and make changes and do whatever they needed to do. But like you said, it took longer and... So there is that drawn out process and there might be an argument sometimes for the spontaneity of it.
2: Yeah. That's, you know, that's the thing that really is like been I've been torn about is I love going into the studio and just showing the guys the songs and then we see what happens. Um, I think there is an, there is the problem of sometimes overthinking things. and, And I would, I would find myself getting in that realm over the past year of making this record is like, man, Maybe I maybe we should have just stuck with the original way, but I mean, we, you know, you, you listen to things so many times and you have so many different options uh, when everybody's doing it this way from home and they can change things and edit things a, a million times over. Um, I'm glad that we have this record that we got to experience that. But uh, I think next time I'd try to get, I want to get back into
1: just seeing what happens in the studio. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I prefer to have a deadline on something because sure. if I don't have a deadline, then I rethink it over and over again. Oh, I can just make another change. One more change. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I'm sure I frustrated the guys a lot doing that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, so you recorded this at Yellow Dog Studios. Is that right?
2: Yeah, that's correct. So we did all the pre-pro and we would go, we would go into Yellow Dog maybe once every two months or something just to kind of get, you know, all the guys together for a little bit and see where we're at and then I think we spent about one week total uh, all in one chunk to actually cut most of the record
1: well and who who was your producer
2: uh again Adam Oder um produced uh and engineered on this record and uh just as he has for um since state night really so uh back with Adam
1: well you've had a you've had a string of Awesome albums, so why change anything, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, so far so good. I mean, <laughs> it keeps getting better, so um, we're gonna keep that that whole uh, the team together. Does
0: picking an outfit have you running a little too fashionably late? We get it. Great taste takes time. That's why Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery, has your back with the largest selection of beer, wine, and spirits delivered in under sixty minutes. Convenience never goes out of style. So if you need to spend some extra time in the mirror instead of at the store, download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today.
1: We had some other cats that were actually chiming in on this, some some guests. Who were some of those folks? Um, Shooter
2: Jennings came back to play some synth on this record. Uh, He was on that song Danger on the Cheap Silver record. Um, our friends, Quaker City Nighthawks, we brought them on to uh, we have like a, one of the tracks The last track is like a full on kind of Almond Brothers double drums. We had spent a lot of time with those guys right before uh, pandemic. We had done a sold out sh- tour on the West Coast together and we were really bonding hard. And, you know, our kind of plan was to tour that similar show for the rest of the year. So uh, we kind of made up for it by having them on the record and doing something together creatively. My um, friend, my friend, Zach Wilkerson sings um, uh, some backgrounds and also uh, the Shiny Soul Sisters from Shiny Ribs, uh, they sing a ton of uh, huge uh, harmonies on this thing. So that, that was one of the first things I really wanted to have on the record. They were one of the first people that we asked to to jump on it.
1: So I listened the, to the album Soup to Nuts and it wasn't hard because it's just it moves. The, every sure. song moves <laughs> and it's so much fun and it's something that that I would love to just have on in my car driving down the road because it was just super fun and 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 really really great tunes. So most of the songs were written by you and Adam, right? That's and then right. Yeah, uh, as, paycheck as, to pay- as usual. Yeah, right. And then paycheck to paycheck you also included Omar.
2: Yeah, he's the one that wrote that hook for me. I remember it very vividly like um, he brought up this whole paycheck to paycheck concept idea. You know, he's, he's sending his paycheck on Johnny paycheck and that really stuck with me. But I mean, that was maybe two years ago when he said that. And, uh, I think that was one of the first things that I was like, when I started writing for this record, that was the first idea that's like, well, I can knock this song out (laughs) really quick. So, uh, yeah, I I think that's one of the fastest writes I've ever had. Just Omar had that hook and I ran with it.
1: And and so the the theme that you're talking about it being character driven is around a working person. It's a work the working man and kind of the trials and tribulations that kind of go with just being a working person, right? I mean, it's living yeah. paycheck to paycheck and then um, growing pains. And let's see, brother, social drinkers. I thought was had some really interesting concepts in there. Um, Let's talk about Social Drinkers, because I just thought that song was really interesting, the way that you wove the lyrics in there.
2: Well, thanks. That's my favorite song on the record. Um, You know, I had a lot of fun. Also, that song changes key every time. (laughs) It's a really interesting musical song as well. But, um, yeah, that song was, you know, it's kind of the only quarantine based, I started writing it in the idea of, you know, I really miss being at the bars kind of situation. I miss all the people, no matter who they are. Um, And then I kind of wove that in with uh, this guy has kind of just been beat down for most of his life. And, you know, realizing, well, maybe he missed out on, you know, some opportunities, um, you know, when he wasn't when he was working all the time. So uh, he kind of comes to a realization that maybe he uh, really enjoyed the bar more than he did the <laughs> work.
1: <laughs> I think almost everyone in the last year enjoyed the bar more than, than anything else. I think so. I, I know I, for one, looked forward to my glass of wine at the end of the day every day <laughs> because I was doing the same thing every day and I wasn't going anywhere.
2: I was right there with you. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. Well, yeah, I was. I'm going to back up a little bit because I was I was listening to some some of your other music and. Popped up, what popped up was the, the cover you did of the fastball tune, The Way. <laughs> the Way. Which was just an awesome version of, of that song. Nice. And I was wondering if you actually know those guys, because I think they're based out of Austin, right? They are. That's kind of where that came,
2: came from. Um, we played back in 2008, 9, 10, somewhere around there, Probably probably 8 to 11. Uh, we played this club down on campus called the hole in the wall. It's like a legendary iconic club. And we played there every Monday night for all those years, a long, long time. And, uh, so that kind of was where we started the band and really figured out what we were doing and on their 40th, I believe it's their 40th anniversary of that club, um, which was only a couple of years ago, a few years ago, um, they asked us to cut a song from another band that had started in the same club and fastball was the band that also. You know, one of the several bands, but the ones that we thought was—I love that song.
1: <laughs> it's a great song. <laughs>
2: I've always loved that song. So um, you know, it was—it was, it was really cool to get to play that song, and and uh, especially in—in in, you know, honor of of the club where we both got our start. Um, and I've met—I've met them. Um, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago, I ran into some of those guys on the street, and then uh, uh, since then, they've reached out to me a couple of times with some other uh, like. I wrote a country song and I'd love the Minnesotans to cover it. So uh, we still. Well, what speak an honor, right?
1: Because they yeah. were they were ahead of you, and you were doing a cover of theirs. And now they're coming to you with songs. That's pretty amazing.
2: Yeah, I never saw that one coming. Back when I was, you know, listening to that song and watching that music video when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: cool. you do an amazing uh, cover of it. It's it's great Thanks. tune. You know, one of the things I wanted to ask you too, because I always find it interesting when people end up in with music as their career path way back when did you ever think you would might do something else was there ever anything else that was in your head or was it just always all about music or did you play sports for example when you were young
2: no i i think it was all about this for me i um i mean i the stories are endless about when i was a kid and i knew every word every george Strait song and like it was like written in the stars (laughs) and everyone knew it um and i'm sure that that affected me a little bit. I've heard those stories for, for all my life that it's like, well, that was just it. That's it. You know, even when I can't remember myself as a kid, uh, I was still apparently the same <laughs> way. <laughs> so, so I think, uh, that, that, that had had something to do with it, but I've never really chased anything else. Um, I've had, you know, obviously random jobs and odd jobs, but I think when I got started doing it from a, from an early age and, and, uh, I was fairly successful at, at, you know, making a little bit of money and, and, and being able to actually get gigs. Um, I was pretty sold very early on. And I think ever since then, it's just been trying to figure out how to expand, um, you know, the other jobs that I can do in, in the in the music industry to somehow stay, even if I if I can't do this forever or whatever, something else to do to keep me uh, in music.
1: So what do you think gives you all this insight into the working man? Because you really capture lyrically that life. So what gives you all that insight?
2: You know, even just doing just doing the job that we do, we have always taken kind of a working man's approach to it, like in the trenches. Um, you know, (laughs) it hasn't been easy for us to do this over the past, over 10 years. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of hard work and, and nothing was given to us. So, um, I get a lot of that experience just from my own work. Um, but, you know, when I when I was a kid, I worked with my dad as an electrician. Um, I've, I've done all kinds of a lot of like labor intensive jobs um, through, through my through my life. And really, everyone around me has, um, you know, uh, everyone I, in my immediate circle is all self employed and really like, you know, doing construction or, or building something. So, you know, I've, I've just been surrounded by that my whole life. And, and I've always into that. You know, I live out in the country and I, I see I, all the old men that I knew growing up, you know, were always they were a welder or, or you know, what I mean, so wearing all denim. So so I kind of had a lot of uh, I've always had I've always had experience with the working man.
1: So you, you're out you're sort of out of the city right now. Do you have a garden?
2: Yeah, we do. We have a little garden in the back. My son, as he always he's been saying lately. I can't believe we grew our first tomato. <laughs> so okay, I am with
1: Levi from. on that one because last year I planted a couple tomato plants, no tomatoes, no, not one. And this year I do have a few tomatoes, but it, it's pretty lame, but I'm going to eat one.
2: yeah, God we, is my we, witness,
1: <laughs> I'm going to eat the tomato.
2: <laughs> that was kind of the only one that really has gone well for us this year too, is the tomatoes, so. We're uh, we're rich in tomatoes right now. Well,
1: will plant some jalapenos. I'll give you some advice. They they just they grow like crazy, and you don't have to do a lot. So <laughs> that's right up my alley. <laughs> yeah, I don't really have a green thumb myself, but um, okay. so are you guys looking forward to getting back out and touring again after not touring for a while?
2: Yeah, I, you know I think the 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 little bit of dipping our toes in, as I said before, has really done us wonders as far as knocking the dust off. And I know we were all nervous about it. Um, going from doing 200 something dates a year to nothing really, you know the muscle memory is great, but I'm not sure it always works. So it took us a, it took us a while to uh, get back in the groove. But you know doing the weekend warrior thing hasn't really been our thing for a long time either. So we've been doing that for about a month or two. So here in August and September, um, we're gonna really see if we can if we can do it again.
1: <laughs> well, I hope everyone sees this and then goes out and catches you on the road if you happen to be near where they are. One to grow on, great album, they need to pick up a copy, download it digitally or, or whatever you can do to get a copy of that. And um, and then just go see you play because you're an amazing performer and we wish you the okay. best of luck with this album.
2: Well, thanks a lot. I, um, I'm excited about it. I know all the guys are really excited to, to release the record and get back on the road and do the whole thing. So thanks for having me on about it.
1: Right on, thank you for coming. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Mike Harmeyer be sure to check out Mike and the Moon Pies' latest album, One to Grow On, available now on all major digital streaming platforms and at themoonpies.com. And remember, you can visit DiddyTV.com for more exclusive on-demand content and download the official free DiddyTV app from your app store today.